0: let's pause and pray for pastor sylvanus right now before we jump into god's word let's pray together father we thank you for pastor sylvanus and eleno and all those that are connected to global mission church in queens lord thank you for how you've given them grace to respond in this COVID season, to care for their neighbors, and to serve in such tangible ways. And Father, we pray that you would continue to empower their witness as they hold out the love of Christ and the hope of the gospel, or specifically for their Hindu and Buddhist neighbors that they are connecting with and sharing and showing Christ's love. God, would you empower their witness and give them open hearts To receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray that you would continue to provide for their needs, Lord, their financial resources that they need for rent and other expenses, just like you have to this point over these several years. God, would you continue to pour out your kindness on them as they serve you and serve the people of New York City. We thank you for them. We pray for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before we dive into God's Word this morning, I want to just revisit our reopening plan that we shared with you last week. As we look to reopen our in-person gatherings, specifically Sunday worship, but other events like our prayer events and fire nights, we've identified as pastors a three-step process for reopening our in-person gatherings. And we're guided by some key factors and values that we're concerned to uphold in terms of not just our desire to worship, but to promote public health and safety, your safety, as well as considering our congregational just readiness to get back to worship and how we can effectively serve together on Sunday mornings. So here's our three-step process. Step one has already begun. It began this week and it's going to run through August 15th. We're continuing our online services on Sunday. We're encouraging people as you're comfortable. Maybe you're there today in a watch party with some friends gathered around. That's awesome, and we applaud that as you follow the the guidelines that our state has given us. And then we're also hosting our outdoor fire nights. We just had our first this Friday, this past Friday. There's another one coming on July 24th, August 7th. I hope to see you there. Then on August 16th we begin step 2. Step 2 is our first return to Medford High School where we'll gather in person for worship at a unique start time our summer hour of 9 to 10 a.m. and we're doing this because we recognize summer plans and travel as well as just the, the heat that can kind of hit us in the summertime and so we thought starting earlier would be a nice re-entry point for us for about a month as we continue watch parties and groups and serving at mystic market as well before then we hit step three on september 13th when we will return to our 10:30 worship gathering at medford high school and then launch our fall groups and we're coordinating details with our hosts and leaders as we work out the details there, um, but, but we're super excited about this progressed timeline that gives each person an opportunity to decide what's best for them and how they can move forward at your own pace to regather in person as a church family. So we're praying for you. We can't wait to see you whenever the best time for you is going to be in the days to come. Well, this morning we're wrapping up our series in 1 Peter that we've titled Keep Moving. And this morning I was praying with Pastor Reddy and Pastor Steve. As you know, Pastor John Chastain is on sabbatical this summer. Uh, But I was praying with our other pastors, and we were praying specifically for you, Redemption Hill, and especially this morning for our leaders. And We looked at Ephesians 4, where it talks about how Jesus is the ultimate leader of his people, his church. And that gives us so much confidence and so much just peace and resolve to keep moving forward, knowing that Jesus is the ultimate trailblazer and we follow his lead. But what Peter has showed us throughout these five chapters is that as we follow Christ, we will meet opposition. He's going to show us how that there are the forces that will seek to stop us in our progress on our spiritual journey. And what he's going to show us is that not only do we have an enemy that opposes us, a spiritual enemy, but even our own sinful desires can disrupt our progress as we seek to follow Christ. And so what he's going to tell us is that there is a way to overcome. There is a way to keep moving forward. And I wanna share a game plan for how to keep moving forward with you today. What Peter's going to say in these verses chapter 5, verses 6 through 14, he's going to instruct us that no matter the opposition you face, keep moving by God's grace. Oh, who liked that today? You guys want me to rap for you this morning? No matter what opposition you face, keep moving by God's grace. That's what Peter tells us in this concluding section of his letter. Let me read these words for us today. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. I want to show you three ways that you can keep moving forward in your journey with Jesus. How is it that we keep moving forward as we face opposition within and without? Number one, Peter would say, be humble before God. In verse six, he points us back to verse 5 with the word, therefore. And it was there, as Pastor Reddy showed us last week, that Peter says to clothe yourselves with humility. Let, Let humility cover you in all of your relations with one another. Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so now Peter is saying, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Peter calls us to humility because he knows that humility is absolutely essential in how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. Humility begins. You you might be asking, Tanner, I know we're supposed to have humility, but how do I humble myself? And humbling ourselves begins with having an accurate view, not only of ourselves, but an accurate view of God. In other words, to accurately look in the mirror begins by having an accurate picture of who God is. Humility is recognizing our position before God. God is in control. We are not in control. And Jesus, in his most famous sermon, begins that sermon by describing how essential humility is. He says that it's the first step on the path to a blessed life. In Matthew 5, verse 3, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But this is not just humility in general, as important as that is. Peter is writing specifically to them in their circumstances of suffering, saying, as you suffer, as you face trials and opposition, humble yourself before God, knowing that he is still good and that he is still in control. We need to keep hearing this in this challenging season for humanity and for us individually and as a church. Peter is saying, Humble yourself and know that God is king. He is sovereign over every detail of your life, every circumstance. As I saw someone said this week, we should not measure God's character by our circumstances. That's good. Don't measure God's character by your circumstances. Listen, God is still good, God is still faithful. God is still working no matter what kind of opposition we're facing in our lives. We can trust him. But here's the paradox as we humble ourselves, as we take that posture of humility, putting God first, putting others before ourselves. Peter says when you humble yourself, God will paradoxically exalt you at the proper time. He's pointing us to not just circumstances in this life, but especially, Peter refers here to our ultimate destination, our ultimate eternal reward, that after everything is said and done, when there is no more injustice, no more cancer, no more viruses, God will bring you into his glorious presence, and he will exalt you with him forever. This is really good news. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He is powerful. He is in control. But then in verse 7, Peter gives us a way that we can humble ourselves. He says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So Peter tells us that it's It's by casting our anxieties on God that we display humility. After all, as we think about this more deeply, the implication that Peter is is drawing here is that our anxieties reveal a pride in our heart that is not fully trusting God with every circumstance and the days to come in the future. And so Peter is calling us now to not, what, what, what pride is, pride is essentially role confusion. It's, it's us seeking to, at some level, to some degree, are you ready for this, to take the rightful place of God by grabbing the reins and grabbing control and, and wanting to orchestrate the events of our lives, to grab control of them, rather than to trust them into God's hands. That's why I love this word that Peter says. He says to cast your anxieties on God. When I think about the word cast, I think about fishing. Now I gotta admit, I'm, I'm not a great fisherman. I've only been fishing a few times in my life, all right? I know Pastor Johnny sent me a few pictures. He's been catching all kinds of big fish uh, as he's been on his sabbatical with his kids. They're all catching fish. It's awesome. And and when when you cast out the line from the fishing pole, you throw it out into the water. And that's the kind of picture that Peter gives us here. He's saying to cast our anxieties, to release them, to throw them into the hands of God. He's saying whatever anxiety you hold today, maybe it's about your job, maybe it's about your finances, maybe it's about your, you know, health. Maybe it's about the virus. Maybe it's about the injustices that we see in our country. Maybe it's about the political unrest and the election coming up in November. Whatever anxiety you have, God is saying, cast it on me. The word casting implies that we are placing the responsibility into God's hands. And as we do that, We discover that God is saying, thank you. I've been waiting for you. The very moment that that anxiety crept into your heart, in your mind, I've been waiting for you to hand it over to my faithful hands. And why is that? Peter tells us right here in verse 7. He says, casting all your anxieties on him, on God, because he Cares for you. Listen, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what anxieties weigh you down right now, God is not only mighty and powerful, He is a loving Heavenly Father who cares for us. As we sang this morning, how He loves us, God loves us with a love that we cannot comprehend. And so that should motivate us to cast our cares on Him because He cares for us. I want to ask you today, what are you anxious about? You know, this past October, I can remember that it was a season where I was battling different anxieties personally and with returning to work and just all the different things that I was wanting to see and facing. And God said again, cast your anxieties on me. And one thing that I did, maybe this would be a helpful step for you this week. I took my journal and I try to walk with God and write it down. So as I'm walking with God and he's showing me things and teaching me things, and, and as I'm praying and recording some of those prayers, he just said, hey, put a line down a piece of paper and write everything that you're concerned about, everything that you're anxious about, everything that's weighing you down. But then in the other column, write about who I am. Record your joys. Record the ways that I am working. Record who I am in my faithfulness. And as I did that, it was an exercise of casting my anxiety on God because God cares for me and He cares for you. Humble yourself before God. Be humble before God. That's the first and most important way how we're going to keep moving forward in our spiritual journey. But then number two, that's not all. He says, not only be humble before God, but also be alert before your enemy. Not only do we have the problem of pride within us, but we have a spiritual enemy that wants to destroy us. This is what Peter says in verses 8 and 9. Listen to them very carefully. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I want you to think about this on a deeper level this morning. Behind every human enemy, behind every trial that we face, there is a greater enemy at work, God's enemy that wants to disrupt our fellowship with God and to disrupt our effectiveness in God's mission. Listen, let me tell you something. Satan wants to devour you. He wants to destroy you. He does not play nice. Whatever he can do to distract you, to derail you in your progress in the faith, he will attempt to do it. That's why Peter calls him our adversary. It means that he's our enemy. And the word devil, the the name for for Satan, the devil, it it means to, to slander or accuse. In other words, The devil wants to accuse us before God, saying, hey, they are not worthy to be in your presence, to have a relationship with you. Look at all the wrongs that they have done. But we, in Christ, have not only an adversary, his adversary, but Jesus is our advocate. He speaks up for us. He gives us everything we need to face the opposition that the devil throws against us and his demonic forces. And this is so important because Peter says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's he's communicating that, that Satan, like a prowling lion, he wants to sneak up on us. He loves to use surprise attacks. And you need to know, you've probably already discovered this in your journey with Christ that Satan attacks us when we're vulnerable, when we're tired, when we're weak, when we're alone, maybe when we're on a spiritual low point, or even when we're experiencing spiritual victory, when we would least expect it. He tries to sneak in and to attack us, to devour us, to render us ineffective. And useless to the kingdom of God and to disrupt our fellowship with God. But Jesus gives us everything we need to fight against the enemy's attacks. And Peter points it out in verse 8 and verse 9. First, he says, Be sober minded, be watchful. The New Living Translation says, to stay alert. And watch out for your great enemy. We get the picture of a Secret Service agent. Maybe you might think of Clint Eastwood in the movie In the Line of Fire, where he's protecting the president and he has to scan the crowd to make sure there are no threats against the president's life. And that's the kind of vigilance, that's the kind of watchfulness that we need to have against our enemy as he looks to attack us. We need to have our eyes wide open. We need to be aware of his schemes, how he wants to discourage us, how he wants to lie to us and rob our joy, rob our progress that we're making spiritually. And so Peter says to, in verse 9, resist him, firm in the faith. What I love about what Peter says here when he instructs us to resist him, number one, this is an action that we need to take. We can't be passive in our journey with God. We need to fight back against our spiritual enemy. So he says resist him, but this is not an empty resistance with empty words. No, this is resistance with substance. He says firm in your faith. One of the best strategies for fighting back against Satan is to remind him and to remind yourself of everything that is true of God and of you because of what Christ has done. Just speak it. I know who I believe in. I know what Jesus has done for me. I know that he is faithful and he will strengthen me under your attacks. That's how we resist him. But we can think about the life of Christ. I was reading the early part of Matthew's gospel with my daughter Parker this week, and uh, she reminded me of a Redemption Kids uh, live lesson that uh, our our team has given to our kids uh, just in the past several weeks where Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 is attacked by Satan and tempted by Satan. And Satan wants to derail him from living out his mission as the son of God. And and Jesus, after being tempted and fasting for 40 days, Satan comes up and he says, hey, why don't you tell these stones to become bread? I know you're hungry. But Jesus replies, quoting scripture, the word says to not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then Satan takes him on the pinnacle of the temple and he says to throw himself down and even quotes two different scriptures to try to back up his lies. And Jesus rebukes him again and quotes the truth of God to not put God to the test. But then finally, in that climactic temptation, it says that Satan took Jesus up onto a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said, hey, this is awesome. All yours if you will fall down and worship me. Do you know what Jesus did in that moment? He said with a passionate exclamation Be gone, Satan. Be gone. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. I want to empower you today. You can talk back to the devil. You can speak to him just like Jesus did. Be gone, Satan. Get away. I have the power in Jesus' name. This is how we resist him. This is how we stay on guard and we're alert before our enemy. And this is what will empower us to stay on the path that God wants for us. This is how we will keep moving forward. But then finally, number three, we need God's grace to do it. That's why Peter in verses 10 through 14 would say, be strengthened by God's grace continually. Be strengthened by God's grace continually. From the beginning to the end of our spiritual journey, It's all about God's grace. We were saved by God's grace. Maybe you're new to Christianity and you're wondering how you can have a relationship with God. Listen, it's not by earning your way into a relationship with God, but it's by receiving the gift of God's grace, the gift of salvation, as God adopts you into his family and brings you into his family, not on the basis of what you could do, but on the basis of what he has done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's not just our salvation that is of grace. It's all the Christian life. Every step of the journey is fueled by the grace of God. Look closely at verse 10 again. What does Peter say? He says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, God himself, will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I love this. Peter stacks up four terms to describe the empowerment, how God is working within us, that God restores, confirms, strengthens, and establishes us by his grace. To say that God is the God of all grace means that he is the source of the grace that we need and he is the giver of the grace that we need. All we have to do is open our hands to receive. All we have to do is open our mouths and ask God to give us his grace. And what Peter is communicating here, and you need to hear this today, church, no matter how great the Obstacle and opposition we face no matter what kind of suffering you are going through God's grace is Greater his grace is sufficient So keep moving forward in the grace of God. I love the promise of James 4 6 this is a verse that you need to know and you need to memorize it simply says but he gives more grace. Can you say that with me? But he gives more grace. A little louder where the person that may be sitting next to you, if you're with family or at a watch party, okay. he gives more grace. Whatever you're facing, he gives more grace. Whatever circumstance and and anxiety that you're weighed down by, he gives more grace no matter what scheme the enemy may be plotting against you right now just know that in christ our god he gives one more time more grace that is such encouraging news for us to consider Peter wants you to know that everything God calls you to in your journey through life, God gives you the grace to keep moving forward. And he emphasizes it in the final greetings here in verses 12 through 14. He's saying, hey, I've written to you briefly, exhorting and declaring to you that this is the true grace of God. If you want to dwell in God's grace, dwell in grace. God's Word. Take these words of promise and exhortation and instruction and fill your life and mind with them. God's grace flows through His gracious Word, but also God's grace flows through His people. I love how at the end of his letters, his last words, Peter says, look, hey, those who are in Babylon, he's talking about Rome. He's saying, they greet you as well as Mark, my son, in the faith. And so he says, continue to love one another with the love of Jesus Christ. God's grace flows to us through one another as well. And so today, as we wrap up this series in 1 Peter, I want to ask you just one simple question. And that is, what is God calling you to this week? Who is he calling you to love? Think about it. Right now. Who is God calling you to love? How is he asking you to display his kingdom? What spiritual step will strengthen you this week? What is he maybe telling you to give up? How is God inviting you into a deeper experience of his presence and his power? Our God gives us everything we need to keep moving forward. Let's be humble before Him. Let's be alert before our enemy. And let's continually be strengthened by the grace that He supplies. Let me say it one more time as we wrap up this season through the book of 1 Peter. No matter the opposition you face, keep moving by God's grace. Let me tell you, I love you family. I can't wait to see you soon. Let me pray over you right now as we continue in worship. Father, we are humbled and grateful that you pour out more grace. God, keep us humble. Help us to humble ourselves before you, to to recognize who you are and who we are in light of who you are to cast our anxieties on you, to to be alert and watchful before our enemy, to resist him firm in our faith in Jesus Christ. God, there's no doubt these have been challenging days, but God, there is even less of a doubt that you are who you say you are, that you are faithful, that you will continue to walk with us as we walk with you. Thank you, Father for being such an amazing God. Thank you for what you've taught us as a church family through 1 Peter. And help us to keep moving forward to glorify your name. We pray through Jesus. Amen.